Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Jason Burrow. Thanks for being on the show again, Jason. Thanks for having me again, Whitney. Appreciate it. Yeah, an honor to have you back on. Jason is a very experienced investor. And, and if you want to hear more about his background and, and some other stuff he's been working on, you can go back to show WS127, where he shares a little more about that. And But he's a real estate investor from Erie, Pennsylvania, who owns and operates over 650 rental units with his wife, Nadia. They have built their portfolio over the past 17 years, owning everything from single-family homes to large 80-plus unit apartment communities. He's built his business while maintaining a day job in medical device sales, which he was able to retire from in 2012. I know a lot of listeners can relate to that. Uh, he recently syndicated a 40-unit and an 86-unit deal in quarter four of 2018, has employed several creative financing strategies over the years, including value add, 1031 exchange capital raising, joint ventures, investor management, business strategies, creative financing, and mentoring are all part of his experience and skill set. Jason, you know, it's a pleasure to get to know you and obviously meet you and talk to you at different events and travel together a little bit. But tell the listeners a little bit about who you are again and maybe something you're working on. Let's dive right in. Sure. Well, you covered most of it, but my wife and I, Nadia and I got started in 2001 before we were even married. So we've been doing this 18 years. The first 12 years was all by ourselves, all of our own money, never took private money or investor money. So we did it the hard way, but, but really built our resume and started building our portfolio that way. Over the past several years, have, have gotten into some of those creative financing strategies. Over the past 12 months, have, have syndicated a few deals. We're currently working on a, a 205 unit acquisition, which I'm really excited about. So it's a historical property in our area and just really grateful that that opportunity came along. So I'm glad to be here talking with you today. Awesome. So, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before the show and, you know, you've been doing real estate for a long time now. You're very experienced. But, you know, what's happening now is your business is scaling, right? It's growing. And let's talk about some of those growing pains and how you've worked through this. Well, I, I think, you know, a little bit of background on on my management style or growth style. I used to have a kind of a control freak thing that a lot of us entrepreneurs do that, you know, you want to do everything yourself. But what happens is that you get to be to a point where you grow too big. And we all have the same amount of hours in a day. We're all busy. So things start falling through the cracks. And, and I remember walking around with banker's boxes full of receipts and invoices and things like that. And that's what had forced me to hire a full-time bookkeeper accountant on staff. And that was seven, eight years ago. But even things from like the property management to managing the maintenance guys, to all of the stuff that goes to, into the day-to-day -day management of our business, because we do self-manage. So Ultimately, you know, I was taking on the burden of managing the property manager, managing the bookkeeper, managing the maintenance guys. And it really took some growth inside of me to learn how to delegate and learn how to try and build a team and give up certain responsibilities. Because quite frankly, there's things that I was okay at, but not great at. And so why not hire somebody that really loves sitting behind a desk and organizing our office? And then, I mean, how much time and energy and money does that save? That position pays for itself. And so recently, you know, we hired a full-time office manager slash business manager just to keep the wheels on the bus. And it sounds so simple, but when you're running a 
hundred miles an hour in so many different directions, a lot of times you just think, well, I'll just take on this responsibility or this duty or take on that duty. And really took an effort for me to humble myself and realize that there's a lot of things that I'm just quite frankly, not good at, you know, our office, you know, the files would be sitting on a desk for weeks rather than just filed right away and kept in in an organized fashion. So that was a big jump for me. And even from hiring a maintenance manager that can keep everything from inspections to turnovers, to scheduling carpet guys and painters that, you know, working with the property manager on, on timing and scheduling. And, and that's, was a huge step for me. I mean, we have to pay a little bit more, but what we get in return is tenfold. And one of the things that was sort of the impetus for this was my partner in my last syndication and this current one that we're doing. So he's the co-sponsor, co-GP with me. He has several businesses and he has maybe 45 or 50 full-time employees, just kind of a huge operation. And there was a point in time where he owned a potato chip business and they had a much larger staff. And not only does he have that sort of life and business experience that I can draw on, but his CFO who also helps us with our underwriting and and the books and investor management on the syndication side, she also has a ton of that experience. And it just kind of speaks to surrounding yourself with the right people. And so when I saw that maybe there was a more efficient way of doing things, a, a better way of doing things, so I can, again, work more efficiently and on the business and not in the business. I mean, I know we always struggle with that. And there's maybe a certain element of where it's good to work in the business, just so you don't lose touch with your employees and how hard they're working. Don't lose touch with maybe your tenant base or certain aspects, but the owner really shouldn't be filing paperwork or doing some of these other mundane tasks. So that was really a big growth thing for me in the last year was just having those aha moments of like, oh my gosh, I need to get out of my own way because that's really, you know, I was probably my biggest limiting factor over the years, just for sheer sake of trying to keep everything in my own own hands and own control. A couple of things there that you mentioned, you said those higher positions pay for themselves. You know, just like changing that mindset, right? Well, you know, I can't afford to hire somebody else. Well, I mean, it's just like, but then think about the burden that's relieved and how much more organized you are just by those tasks in the office being taken care of immediately. And you know, they're taken care of as opposed to that, just that burden on you thinking, oh, you know, I better stay late tonight to organize all these papers. And then and you talk about you were the biggest limiting factor. So it's hard to like change that mindset, right? You know, think, well, by giving this to someone else, it's not so much a, you know, you're letting go of that. I mean, you're going to grow so much faster, right? You can focus on something else. So when would I be ready to hire my first person? How did you know that you're ready to hire somebody? Or when should I be thinking about that? You know, if my business maybe isn't, to, you know, at a large scale like yours yet, when should I be thinking about that first hire and, and what would they be doing? Well, it probably depends on your investment strategy, right? So for us, our first hire was a maintenance guy. So Going back to 2005, we had acquired a 56-unit portfolio that was in addition to the 23 we already had. So at that point, I realized that there was no way that I could keep organized with calling contractors for painting. Or, or you know, my wife and I sadly did a lot of that stuff ourselves, and I'm like the least handy person in the world. So I guess at that time, I realized two things: that someone else can do plumbing way better than I can; that I don't need to be messing around with that. I'm a terrible painter, and I used to paint and clean and do all the stuff that I just wasn't good at. So, you know, this was before we had kids. So I found that, you know, we were spending our free time, you know, instead of enjoying each other's other's company and going out to dinner that, you know, our nights and weekends were spent painting vacant apartments. But, you know, we enjoyed that. And that's kind of a badge of honor that, hey, we used to do this all ourselves. But I really think that, you know, if you feel that you're not on top of your game, again, something as simple as 
paying your bills on time or you know, making sure that your QuickBooks are reconciled and on time so you can have your taxes finished in a timely manner. So I think maybe that impetus for when you need to hire somebody is just you constantly have to look and assess your business and look at where you're spending your time. And if you find that you're spending time in non-revenue generating tasks, then that's when you need to outsource. So maybe it's not hiring a full-time employee, but it's like you just have to kind of self-analyze and say, think to yourself, ask yourself, hey, is this the highest and best use of my time? If raising capital for a syndication is where I should be spending my time, then why am I spending my time you know, writing checks? Or why am I spending my time filing property management material or leases or rental applications and things like that? So I guess you know, if you look at any one person can do probably two or three things really well, and the rest is kind of filler and you're probably just going to be average at best at it. So pick those top three things that the business couldn't do without you. So that might be capital raising. That might be working with the banks and financing the deals. That might be sourcing the deals. So identify those things and really focus 80 or 90% of your efforts on that and just try and delegate everything else out. And whether that's hiring or outsourcing, kind of one and the same. I guess to add to that, if you find yourself spending a lot of money with a subcontractor for a given task, it might be painting. Maybe you have a painting company that you really enjoy using. But you know, if you could provide full-time employment for somebody, plus benefits and all the great things that come with work, and you're providing gainful employment to another individual, there is merit and a lot of value in, in building a team that way. And, and there's pros and cons to it. Some people swear by hiring outside companies. But for us, that's always been a factor. Like, hey, if we spend so much with flooring contractors a year that I could just hire a full-time flooring installer, then that's what I should do. That's a great way to look at it. And I haven't heard anyone say that before. So think about how much you're spending this company or paying this company to lay flooring. But the cool part is when that when you're high, when you hire that employee, that flooring guy, well, you know, he probably has some other skills where he could help do some other things as well, right? Right. And that's been a big focus and a, and a challenge for us as well is that hiring the right people. So trying to get somebody that's, you know, has a growth mindset that doesn't want to stick doing the same job for 40 years. So carpet installers or flooring installers, their backs go bad, their knees go bad. So maybe that's the only skill they know when we hire them. But the idea would be that they could grow into other positions in the company. And that, you know, I have a growth mindset. My wife has a growth mindset. Try to hire the right people that have the same values and that, you know, that buy into this long-term vision of, of what we put out there. And they have a stable, loyal company. And that's hard to find these days. So trying to find that where it's a two-way street, having those employees that do the same thing and they're going to continually learn and try and be better at their craft and what they do. What are some tips you would give to hiring the right people? You know, what are some ways you have vetted through applicants to make sure this is somebody that has that growth mindset and it's going to fit well with your company and with you? So first of all, at this point in the game, we always have at least two maintenance guys meet with a prospective hire. So if it's that kind of blue collar position, they have to do a ride along and they have to spend a day in the field with our guys because there's a lot that you can uncover when they're working alongside someone that's with the company. And you know they get comfortable and familiar. They, they may talk about their bad habits. They may ask all the wrong questions or they may ask all the right questions. And they always have to make it through a couple of our trusted employees. Then I meet with them after that. So I usually am still involved with looking at the resumes on paper. Now I am delegating that out to my new office manager, but typically having the first interview be in the field, you know, time spent in the field with our top guys, seeing if there's a fit at that. And if they feel strongly enough to pass that individual on to me, 
then what I'll do is dig in and, and talk about their long-term goals, like talk about life and see if we can, un, you know, just uncover what makes them tick and see if they're a good fit for us. You know, on the white collar side of the business, you know, the property manager type and the accountant and the things like that, you know, you just really look for those intangible traits, you know, honesty, loyalty, integrity, are they good to be around? I mean, I remember when I worked in medical device sales, one of our managers said it was the Christmas in Detroit test. And that was, you know, if you're stuck at an airport in Detroit or wherever, you know, just somewhere where it's snowy and you're, you can't get out, are you okay being stuck with this person for a day? Are they likable? And, and do you get along with them? Because yeah, you're not at work to make best friends, but you are going to become friends with these people in a small company. They do become like family. So you really have to determine, you know, do I like this person and, and am I going to enjoy working with them and trusting them and entrusting them with very important duties in our in our business? I like that. Are you comfortable being stuck with them? Yeah, that's right. You are going to get to know them and it's got to be a, a good relationship from both sides. But, you know, as far as the tasks that you are handing off to different employees, and I, and I tell people like when they're thinking about hiring a virtual assistant or somebody like that, like think about what you're doing throughout the day. And is this something that that you have to be the one doing? And so, you know, maybe it's something you can let somebody else do. And how do you do that? How do you, you know, like through the day, you know, you find yourself doing something that, like you said, you're going to hand off to your office manager or somebody like that. How do you know what to hand off? I think the answer is everything. Just to hand off everything. It doesn't fit those three or four core things that really can't be replaced in the business or the things that I'm good at. I mean, everybody can be replaced. You know, if I'm raising capital, I can hire people to raise capital for me or team up with people that do that which we've done because again, that is the type of thing that can just take a lot of time. I mean, we only have so many hours in a day and you have to live a well-balanced life. So making sure that you're still spending the time with family, friends, loved ones, that, that type of thing, and not letting work overtake your personal life. So I've really feel like everything that's related to the business as far as finding tenants, retaining tenants, turning over properties, and the maintenance, all that stuff, I, I shouldn't really have any involvement with that at all unless there's some sort of crisis that I need to be involved in or, or aware of. And I've worked on that. It's taken me longer than I would have liked, but I, I've spent time over the past several years just talking to people that have been in the business for 20, 30, 40 years and figuring out how they got out of their own way, You know, the ones that did it successfully. And then taking clues from the ones that still, you know, the reason they're retiring is because they got tired and they got tired of working in the business. And that's not the goal. And that's not why we get into this business. Most of us get into it for passive income, the freedom that real estate investing provides. So nobody invests in real estate thinking, hey, I want to push paper and renew leases all day long. But that's a part of the business. And that's stuff that you have to hire for. So that's a long-winded answer to a short answer, which is just outsource everything you can. Awesome. No, And how, how have you found to best communicate with your team? Well, there was some some like lesson I learned. It was one of the, I don't know, in some business book I read a few years ago, and I, I can't recall the source, but it's not my idea. I, I call it the three o'clock rule or four o'clock rule. I think Jim Rohn maybe talked about it in one of his like classic personal development lectures. But basically, don't bother me with anything until 3.30 in the afternoon. So usually if there's this like a quote unquote crisis, it's really not a crisis. And, and what you're doing is you're allowing your employee or contractor or whoever to figure out the problem. So you're, you're giving them the ability to problem solve on their own and not having to come to daddy or mommy for the answer for everything. So I think ultimately what you do is you empower your employees, you show that you trust them. And look, they're going to make mistakes. We all do. But if it's a true crisis, like a flood or a fire or something like that, I mean, you're going to get involved. But if there's a fire, what are you going to do? Pour more water on it? I mean, that's why a fire department's there. You're not handling that yourself. So 
There's a lot of things that you just get in your own way on. That's the one thing is don't bother me with little things because we all that that's a huge time suck for everybody. So, you know, if it's important, we're going to talk about it at the end of the day. So let's download at the end of the day on anything important. So I, if I need to know about it, shoot me a text message, a phone call, five minutes is, is enough. And so if I spend a half hour at the end of the day talking to my team about anything that came up that might alter the course of our plans for the coming weeks, then I need to know about it. If it's just something that they handle on their own, no big deal. I'll see it on the reports at the, you know, at the end of the pace cycle. So that's one thing is just a daily touch, but it's quick. It's, it's not, you know, I don't need to know every play by play. Try to do a monthly meeting you know, with our whole team where we talk about the stuff that's real important issues that we have to tackle in the, in the next month and make sure that everybody's swimming in the right direction. So that one big monthly meeting, it might be an hour at most. And then throughout the month, we could sort of course correct and touch base on a weekly basis. And that might be a 20 to 30 minute meeting with both the maintenance team and the property managers. You know, as far as the acquisition and syndication stuff, that type of communication with my co-GP, we talk all the time, but that's just because I think we like to BS and then, you know, just kind of shoot the breeze. But when it's like strict business things, we, we tend to communicate constantly on, on the real crucial, important things about the deal and the timeline and, and where we're at with the capital raise and, and things of that nature. So the real important stuff is ongoing, but everything else is just very repetitive, like once a day and then the once a week kind of course correction and then the once a month big powwow. I really like that. I like the three o'clock, four o'clock rule, whatever you call it. The, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to implement that probably this afternoon. <laughs> But I liked how you talked about it. It's not like, well, just don't bother me until then. And like you're saying, I need you to really think through this and make the best decision that you can. You know, And if it's the wrong one, most of those decisions that they're making can be corrected pretty easily. Or the next time we're, you know, they're going to understand what you were thinking or why you would have done it differently. I do the same thing with my four and six-year-old. You know, they come screaming, right? And you think, you know, their legs cut off, but, you know, that's something so minor, right? So, you know, helping them to think through and be able to make better decisions before they're asking you. But what are some ways that and maybe you found that work the best for managing your employees, but also encouraging performance? You know, are there ways that you give incentives or is there ways that you just show that you care about what they're doing? Yep. So one of the things, I mean, we try to create a, a fun culture and that's hard to do sometimes in a property management maintenance business, but you know, every so often we'll do like a happy hour Friday where three o'clock rolls around and you call the whole team to the office and just have pizza and beer and soda and whatever, and just kind of shoot the breeze and just sort of a, Hey guys, like we care about you type of thing. Every now and then we'll throw them a gas card or a gift subway gift card or something along those lines. Just sort of a pat on the back to say, Hey, you're doing a great job rather than, I mean, they know their job is not always, always glamorous to rent apartments and show apartments and deal with tenants crap and, and, fixing broken things, but they're what keeps the wheels on the bus. So, and we try to pay well. I mean, money's not everything, but you try to compensate well. Do try to bonus for a job well done. If there's something that good that happens in our business, we try to reward people for, as it relates to property management, maintenance, things like that. If we put together budgets and, and financial metrics that, hey, here's some extra bonus or extra compensation if we're at X amount of economic occupancy. So if, if these guys realize that, hey, if we stay... If we help Jason keep his apartments full, we're going to benefit as well. It's just not them working to make me rich. Everybody gets rewarded in the process. So I think that's really important. We try to make sure that we, when we bring somebody on, you know, really try to take a genuine interest in them as a human being, you know, and then their family, what makes them tick. And, and just, you know, you're, again, you're not hiring your best friend, but, you know, you're hiring people that, you know, you're trying to create a family, trying to create a nice culture 
we always do something nice for them at Christmas. You know, we have a big Christmas party, but that's once a year. And so everybody feels good then, but you have to kind of have to keep that magic going throughout the year. So it's the little things that, that count. I mean, nobody's going to stay or go from your company if you buy them coffee and donuts for a morning meeting. But if you do it often enough that it's a nice token of your appreciation, but not too often that they expect it and feel entitled to it, then so I think you have to just make a constant effort when you feel grateful for something. I know Rod Cleef talks about this in our mastermind, but your love language. And so whatever your love language is, you know, if that is words, then you need to tell your employees how you feel and how you appreciate them. If it's gifts, then I mean, coffee and donuts go a long way. A free lunch with the boss sometimes goes a long way or just a gift card so they don't have to pay for their own lunch goes a long way. And I think it's the things like that that add up over time to create that loyalty and creating people that will have your back, you know, no matter what. And you know, if you're on a deadline to fill an apartment and they have to put in work on a Saturday or Sunday, then they will if they need to. And you know, if they're on call, I mean, that's a really hard part of the job that, you know, on a property management company, these guys don't, I mean, it's the ugly part of it, but things happen at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night. And nobody wants to leave the warmth of their home on, on a weekend at 10 o'clock at night. But you have paying customers that if you're going to do this well, they expect a high level of service. And I think if you provide that to them, you know, you have to get guys that, that will buy into that idea that, hey, this is important. I'm going to, it's my responsibility to make this customer happy. Some great advice. Wow. Jason, I really appreciate just the advice from your experience and your growing company and how you've hired employees, when to hire them, what tasks to give them, how to do that, how to show them you appreciate them. Just some great advice. And uh, Jason, tell the listeners though how they can learn more about you and, and get in contact with you. Whitney, they can email me. It's the easiest thing. You can put my email in the show notes, just jasonparrow at yahoo.com or jason.parrow at parrowrealestate.com. They can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, feel free to reach out if you have any questions or just want to talk real estate. I'm always open. Great. Jason, thank you again. Appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me. I'd love to have a conversation with you if I can help you in any way. Also go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all learn and grow our businesses together from experts like Jason. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 